What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to another debriefing here with your boys, Peter and Matt, coming to you live from another episode. Let's see what's going on in our shifts. What's new with me? I didn't end up working a shift this week, being lazy on my nurse break, but I did pick up an orientation shift, which I found out afterwards when I was on the bus that I need to at least pick up one more shift in a hospital in order for me to get paid for the orientation. So I was a bit upset about that. And I wasn't getting paid the full rate because, of course, it's not a contract and the hospital doesn't pay you for it. So I was just paid uh, 20 bucks an hour to sit for orientation. So it was whatever. It was a hospital nearby me, which was a mile and a half, which was convenient. But I found out that it's an old facility that closed down. It was supposed to be a real estate property. And they ended up restoring that hospital, calling it differently. But prior to that, as Peter knows, that hospital was a bad place to work, a lot, a lot of bad rep. And honestly, when I walked in there, I was not impressed at all. It looked really bad. They don't have a cath lab yet. It's supposed to be opening up this year. They don't have pediatrics. They sent all those out and they're just beginning to do OR and a bunch of procedures. So literally a brand new hospital that opened up a year ago with a new name. So that's interesting. And one thing I've realized with these hospitals is if I, I talk to educator to the educators from both places and I'm just like, hey, what are you guys are working on or struggling with? Because here we're trying to fix you know workplace environments and different things. I wonder what they have to say. One of them was that they need they need to improve their scan med scanning rates. So they're getting rid of the cell phones that scan things and they're going into the actual scanners with computers. The other place was blood administration to increase the percentages of how often nurses are scanning that. And what's interesting is it's never about the nurse. It's never about how we can improve the the healthiness, the workplace of the nurse. It's always about how can we improve numbers, percentages, how can the hospital have the most benefit. And that's what sucks about everything because walking in here, I feel like we worked in a palace compared to these Chicago hospitals I visited. And how are nurses working full-time in these conditions? I have no idea. I wouldn't do it. So how can you bridge this gap and make things a little bit more universal? So it's sad where it's never about the nurse. So that was my little experience. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it. It's like you, you they, they need solutions, right, to these problems. And you tell them, hey, maybe if we have better ratios, maybe if you can hire more nurses, maybe if you have a break nurse, something like that, they're always like, no, that can't be the solution. Let's create a protocol. Let's create a protocol. Let's make this an eight-step process instead of a four-step process that maybe people will, will follow it. It's just kind of like like as backwards. But I, I, I have a adding question. more to the nurse. Yeah. Can you touch base what you mentioned in the, in the beginning, how you had to work one more shift to get to get paid or something like that? How did, how did, how did that work with the local travel? Okay, great question. So it was, first of all, it was kind of all over the place as far as orientation because the recruiter said I have to be there from eight to three. I committed to that. And then mid-orientation, they're saying, we expected you guys to stay till 7 p.m. And all the agency nurses and the people that work the contract, oh, I'm not doing that. I got to go walk my dog and whatever it is. So all of us kind of banded together and said, we're not going to text back our recruiters till after 3. And I did the same thing. I'm like, hey, it's after 3 p.m. This was way too much of a notice. I have class at 6. I can't attend. Plus, what happens is just like the regular orientation, you just go on a scavenger hunt. What am I going to do on this scavenger hunt? Like, I, I already know where the crash carts are. Show me the med room. Pixis is working. I spent a, a, an hour with uh, Cerner Tech trying to troubleshoot my username. Other than that, I mean, just another ICU. I'm good to go. And then as far as 
orientation. So because this is not a travel nursing contract and it's just agency work, they don't pay you the full rate. So the hospital is not paying you hourly for this. The agency is paying you just to attend this orientation. It has nothing to do with the hospital. So therefore, they cut the rate by 80%. Oh, wow. So, so then, so since you didn't work a full 12, then you have to pick up another shift. And she told me afterwards, after I was already on my way from the buses, in order for me to get paid for that orientation, I have to pick up at least one shift on, in that hospital. Mm, damn, that's so annoying. I, I don't think that's fair that you're telling me that after the fact of me attending it. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if I pick up a shifter. I'm just honestly being lazy and there's so much that we have going on. We're trying to create. I feel just as busy as working as a full-time nurse. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. How's uh, your shifts been working at uh, San Diego? Uh, these last couple of shifts that, I, that I've had, I haven't been in an ICU. I've literally been thrown around like a piece of meat. Every shift I've Slaving had. Slaving so, away. Yeah. Every every shift I've had so far this week, I got floored in the beginning of my shift, and I got floored again at 11. Super, annoying. super annoying. Yeah. I, I hate the fact that this place still has like those eight-hour shifts grandfathered in where a nurse could come in at 11, and she gets priority over her unit because that just throws, throws my, my whole day off. I go sometimes from having four patients to, to another four. And you know how it is on, on med surge or, or telly. You're, you're not done passing meds or helping your patients out till like 10 o'clock, 1030. And then you got to chart off all four of them, assessments, vitals, all that kind of stuff before you leave at, at, a, at 11. So that's, it was very annoying. I wish they could get rid of that, but I, I understand the grandfathered in. I'm a traveler. Nothing I, I could do about that. But the one thing that really stood out to me is I kind of realized how resilient uh, the body is. Sometimes we in a hospital, we deal with so much death, so much negative outcomes that we just think that once you enter the hospital, that's the end of the road. But I had a pretty interesting case. I had this patient that, that came in and she was telling me a little bit about her story. She had COPD, uh, CKD, and she had a, a nephrectomy. She had a kidney, kidney removed. So she only had one kidney. And with her COPD being so bad, they told her that she didn't have a long time to live. And they gave her like six months to a year. And this was about five years ago. So it, it just shows you how resilient our, our body is. She's, she's been um, hanging out for these past five years. And she, she came in for a COPD exacerbation. But, you know, it, 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 is, it is what it is. But doctors gave her six months to a year to live. And she overcame that. And she still is decently healthy. Of course, she's, a, she's still a sick lady. But she's not as sick as you, you think uh, she would be. Another thing they said is that she's going to need to be put on palliative because she has that one kidney. They, they got removed, so she has one kidney left. And they said the dialysis isn't going to work for her. Numbers were, were so bad that there's no point of doing dialysis because her kidneys are, there's basically nothing they could do. It's end of the line for her. And they told her that same thing five years ago. And she's, she's still alive. They didn't require the dialysis. That one kidney started to work. She makes urine. She dumped out like 600 mLs for me uh, over, overnight, which is which is very, very, very good for somebody that was told that, hey, no point of doing HD on you because there's nothing we, we could do and her kidneys bounce back. So that just shows you how, how resilient your body is. She has bad lungs. She has one kidney. Somehow that kidney still works. They gave her this six months to a year to live and it's been five years and she's still in, in decent shape making urine. She came in for a COPD exacerbation. It is what is going to happen, but she was on a better better route than, than most patients with her diagnosis. So it's, it's just crazy how we have all these tests, all these results we could do with modern medicine, and yet the human body can almost overcome everything. So I was very surprised. I was nice talking to her. She gave me a really uh, 
insightful life. But the thing is, I'll tell you right now, she was she was very, very uh, annoying. I don't want to be rude or anything, but she was very annoying because she has caregivers at home. She has, she has two caregivers. A little bit needy, huh? Yep. So, of course, they work 24 hours. She has them 24 hours around the clock. So, of course, very meticulous. Wants everything this way, that way. And she, she wasn't rude about it. It's just like little things. You know how little, little little things are for your nurses out there that just annoy you. Like, hey, move this table this way. Can you move this this water this way? Put that that way. Can you move these pillows this way? This pillow sticking out. So, it was just like... I want two cups, please. Yeah, she didn't want two cups, too, dude. She wanted two cups, man. <laughs> and, and, like, I filled up with ice. And she's like, that's too much ice. So I had to dump out a little, little bit of ice, and of she those. like she dumped her finger into the water to make sure it's a good temperature. And I was like, Jesus! But you know, she has twenty-four hour care, so of course, with every every whistle, someone's gonna come and, and do something because what are you gonna say no if you're her caregiver? You, you have to do it. So that was a little bit annoying, but she definitely overcame a lot. And she's a very resilient woman, but not the healthiest side, and a little bit of a, a little bit of a handful. But it was just nice to see how resilient the human body is because we don't see that, especially working in the ICU. We see people dying left and right. You get intubated. We they get a trach and then they're never the same again. But this lady was complete yeah. with the anal times four. Wonderful lady. Besides, very meticulous. I think that's what's also crazy when a family member tries to ask you, based on your experience, what do you think is going to go happen with my fa father or mother? And it's hard to say because just like you mentioned, there's these resilient people bodies based on who knows what that just has this crazy course of action that no one could predict. And that's the stories that usually stick with us. You're just like, wow, that was impressive. Mm -hmm. I remember I had a guy on a rotoprome bed just on pressers, all this stuff, and everybody was saying he didn't make it out. And somehow he survived and was extubated. He still wanted a drink. You know, he came in for ETO8 stuff. But, I mean, he, he somehow that sucker lived, man. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, and on, on a flip side, like, your things that you do really impact your body. I had another patient that had a history of meth use and alcohol use. And because he was using the meth and alcohol, not an active user anymore. He's in remission for um, a couple of years now, but he's got CHF, cardiomyopathy. He's not in a, in, a, in a very good good spot. He's in remission, of course, of, of the drug use, but the fact that he was using the meth and other drugs and alcohol for such a long time, he came in. We did an echo. Echo showed twenty percent. That's that's really really poor poor uh, EF, EF fraction and that's because of his drug use so it just shows you on one end how resilient the body is and on the flip side where if you don't take care of your body you don't put an effort to not do bad things you just fall into these these bad bad traps in life it shows you how how um how much that strain gets put on the body and how that's irreversible because nothing that we could do with that guy you know and maybe if I was in Chicago we'd maybe work him up for an elevator or a heart transplant but here he's basically he's walking talking eight times four a great guy real real cool very humble it's just sometimes you can't reverse uh the things of, of your past yeah 100 percent, man and kind of taking a little macro approach here on this debriefing we've been talking a lot about our shift so on the macro level we have about a month and a week left you're about to end your contract in the next couple weeks you're going to take a few weeks off you're going to fly back to chicago for that and we're already planning our next travel nursing contract. So the spot is uh, San Diego again. And as of now, we're just looking at locations because housing is always the biggest issue when it comes to traveling. And I know today we actually talked about looking for rental cars or so starting that process. So if you are somebody that's travel nursing, give yourself enough time to plan ahead and all that. Even though the contracts, you might get it three, two, three weeks before you land it. You can still figure out your housing and car situation before you, you know, commit to a contract. Yeah, and with the whole car situation, 
for all of, for all of you guys that don't know and do rental cars sometimes it's cheaper to go through Turo because Turo offers you a discount when you are renting a car for more than 30 days and it comes out a lot of times it comes out to be cheaper like I was looking at our car price for the three month contract that we're going to have and compared to budget and Avis which is like the lowest tier like the cheapest place you go to for rental car um, compared to Turo we got our car for about four dollars less than than budget off off Turo and it's good it's a better quality car than what they offer you at budget and Avis and a lot of people don't know because a lot of times a lot of times we've just been through through budget and Avis we never really tried Turo and then we decided just to check it out and we ended up saving some money so so shop around a lot of people don't know that Turo offers a, a pretty big discount when you rent something for for 30 days or more all right, ladies and gents, hope you guys enjoyed this debriefing. We will catch you on the next one. Yep, see you guys. Bye-bye.